Here's our big question for this year. How do we remain faithful to Jesus Christ in a hostile world? How do we remain faithful to Jesus Christ in a hostile world? Maybe you don't realize this, but a majority of Canadians actually disagree with our core beliefs as evangelicals. 55% of Canadians do not believe that what we hold, that the Bible is true, and that Jesus came as the Son of God to, to live a perfect life and die on a cross and rise again, and he's the only way to salvation. The majority of your neighbors and coworkers and classmates do not believe this. So how do we remain faithful in an ever-increasing world? Some of us actually struggle with this. Maybe we, we are tempted to deny Christ when things get too hot, too difficult. You know, um, I think a lot about pastor's kids. Any pastor's kids in the house today? There's a number of you. All right. I love pastor's kids. I am one. And it shows, even with your, with your hands raised, that not all of you pastor's kids are complete rebels. You're still with us, right? So there's hope. There's hope. I was, I was doing some research, and this might be actually surprising to some of you about some people that maybe you're not aware of who are pastor's kids. Is there something going on here? Okay, just want to make sure. Um, Katy Perry, Alice Cooper, Jessica and Ashley Simpson, Sam Kinison, the Jonas Brothers, the political activists, Malcolm X, and Phil Jackson, the NBA, former NBA coach. Those are a lot of pastor's kids. And some of them have actually denied Christ. Some of them have, have left the church, maybe because of hypocrisy or maybe because of, of legalism. And the fact that uh, they're just searching for man-made rules. Others have left because their, their parents were criticized or they saw a lot of criticism in the church. By the way, I would, just, I would just give this strong exhortation to all of us. If you're critical of other people in the church, that is uh, a recipe for kids being turned off. I've never met people who are really critical of the church that their kids continued on in the faith. Some pastor's kids deconstruct their faith, hopefully to reconstruct it with being centered on God's word and, and his, his, um, his ways. Others are struggling just to, to get by and they have completely destructed their faith. Some of actually Jesus' best friends, his BFFs, his best friends forever, have denied Christ. We go down through the centuries, we, we see this to be true. In fact, it happened in one of the first of Jesus' disciples. Peter, the Apostle Peter. If you have your Bibles, I would encourage you to open up to the uh, Gospel of John. We're going to take just a, a brief hiatus from studying First Peter, and we're going to jump into the Gospel of John. And I'm going to do something I've never done before, and that's going to, I'm going to walk us through uh, a short story of the life of a biblical character. In this case, 
the Apostle Peter. And the reason why I'm doing this is because I want to tackle two questions that I think are really relevant for us. The first question is this. How does one go from a disciple to a denier of Jesus? How does one go from being a disciple to a denier of Jesus? And then the second question is this. How does one go from a denier to a disciple maker for Jesus? This is the questions that we are going to be wrestling through. Now some of you might say, well, I don't have to worry about that. I'm never going to deny Jesus. Watch out. Watch out. If you don't think you'll ever deny Jesus, then you're on the pathway potentially to denying him. That's because we need to have humility. Humility is a prerequisite for grace. Now, some of you say, John, you know what? Um, it's been a really hard week, and I have given in to some, some great and gross sins. And uh, I come into this building, and I feel a lot of shame and guilt. I feel like I've denied Jesus all week long. Maybe that's you today. I want you to find hope as we go through this, this passage in John, starting in chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, please um, turn to John chapter 1, verses 35 through 42. I'm going to read it. John chapter 1, starting in verse 35 and through 42. I believe it's also on the screen. And, and you can just follow along with me, especially those online. The next day again, John, now that's not the gospel writer John, that is John the Baptist. John the Baptist is Jesus' older cousin. And this is what it says. He was the one who was preaching out in the desert. He wore camel's hair. He was, he's preparing the way for Jesus. It says that the next day again, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. And Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, Come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. And one of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, So you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. This account in John chapter 1, verses 35 through 42, really starts off with not about Peter, but with his brother. Who, who led Peter to the Lord? His brother, Andrew. In fact, one of the greatest acts of brotherly love that could ever occur is if you have the opportunity to lead your family members to Jesus. And I sure hope that, that you do and you get that opportunity. Andrew believed. He believed. In fact, as John Nunes of the Lutheran Hour said, he believed in the Messiah, that the position of Messiah had been filled and they're no longer taking applications. Isn't that a great truth? And so, so Andrew 
leaves John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin. Now, why did he do that? Why did he do this? Well, see, Andrew had been listening to, to John the Baptist's central message, which was really simple. It was this. Repent, for the kingdom of God is near. Repent, for the kingdom of God is near. This was, this was the repeated message by John the Baptist. And Andrew had, had grabbed hold of that message. He believed this message. To repent means to turn away from your sins and turn back to God. And that's what Andrew had done. And so his heart was ready for the gospel. That when Jesus came and, and John the Baptist says, Behold, the Lamb of God, he was ready. I believe some online and here today, your hearts are ready because you have been repenting. You have been turning from your ways, your rebellious ways, and you've been turning to Jesus. But maybe you haven't gone all the way and you haven't come to the place where you're saying, Behold, the Lamb of God, this is who I will follow. That's what Andrew did. And he followed Jesus, but he didn't just follow Jesus alone. He went and found others to tell about Jesus, and he told Peter. Now, Peter and Andrew come to Jesus, and Jesus says, Simon, son of John. Don't you think that would get your attention? All of a sudden, you've never met this person, and is a perfect stranger, and he just says your name and also who your father is. Do you think that that would get to your attention? It did in Peter's life. And then he goes on, and he calls, he calls not just Simon, Peter, Simon, but he gives him a new name. Simon means listening. Peter means rock. We see that defined later on in another passage in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. Peter means rock. And rock is strong. We go from being someone who's listening to somebody who has stability. The problem is, is the fact that rocks even get shaken through earthquakes. And that's what happens on later on in Peter's life. He's shaken by the earthquake of, of Jesus being arrested and being sent to trial. So Simon means what? Listening. Peter means rock. Let's dive into more about who Peter is. There's a lot of confusion about Peter. First of all, one of the myths about Peter is that he is the bouncer for heaven. He's the one at the pearly gates who lets you in. And the confusion comes from the fact that um, in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, that we see here that, that um, Jesus describes that he will build his church. And in Matthew 16, 18, I would tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against us. Our, our Catholic friends, our Catholic friends actually believe that this is where the Pope comes from in succession of this. But we, we know that Jesus didn't give Peter that power to let people into heaven or not. The fact that it's, it's 
Jesus who holds that power. Another passage is in Matthew chapter 20, verse 3, where we find that it is Peter who's described to Jesus, you know, if you forgive sins, then they will be forgiven in heaven. If you forgive them on earth, you'll be forgiven in heaven. And so there's this belief that, there's this belief that Jesus um, gave all of this transferring of power to Peter to let people into heaven, but Peter didn't have that, and yet his life is still very instructive. See, Peter did so much for the gospel to advance it. We start off, let's go back to the next episode in Peter's life. We already talked about the fact of, of Andrew bringing his, his uh, brother, Simon, to, to Jesus. And then we find this secondary calling. And by the way, this is really important because Jesus doesn't usually just immediately call out to us and we follow right away. There's often, there's often um, a steps of progression of following him. And so Peter, the fisherman, he's out fishing with, with Andrew again and then with James and John, their friends. And they fished all night and they come to the shore and they, they've caught nothing. But Jesus says, let's go fishing again. And, and to be honest, this was um, the worst time to fish is during the day. The, the nets back in those days would, would scare the fish away. They weren't monofilament. They weren't um, braided lines. And so uh, Jesus is making this, this situation even more difficult to catch fish. It's during the day. They go out and they catch this miraculous fish. And what is Peter's response? Essentially, get away from me, Jesus, because I'm a sinful man. I didn't realize how great you are. And so Jesus responds to him, come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Fast forward, there's another occasion where Jesus and, or, or his disciples, Jesus' disciples are out on the Sea of Galilee, and this time they are um, alone. Jesus is not with them. And Jesus comes out, and he's walking on water. And what does Peter do? Peter wants to come to Jesus. So he gets out of the boat and he can start walking on water. And he does until, until, what does he do? He looks down. He stops looking at Jesus. And when we stop looking at Jesus, that's when we go down. That's when we start to deny Christ. Peter was a very impulsive person. Anybody can relate to Peter? Do you ever put your foot in your mouth? That's Peter. Think of another time. Jesus is ready to show his glory at the Mount of Transfiguration. He's ready to show his deity. And what does Peter say? This is so amazing. Let's build some tents and camp out here, essentially, right? I'll build one for you, Jesus. We'll build one for, for Moses and Elijah. We'll build one for, for, for myself and for James and John. And we'll just camp out. And Jesus, Jesus is like, no, that's, I, this is just a glimpse of my glory. There'll be more glory to come. Fast forward to the night that Jesus was betrayed. And Jesus was 
coming into the home with his disciples. And what does Jesus do? He picks up a towel and he starts washing the disciples' feet. He serves them. This was the job of, of lowly, lowly servants. And yet Jesus does this. And so Jesus grabs a towel and he starts washing Peter's feet. And Peter's like, no, don't do this, Lord. And Jesus responds, well, unless you let me wash you, Peter, you can have no part of me. And then Peter goes from, like, not wanting Jesus to wash his feet to this whole other side. Jesus, then wash my whole body. Peter was always not getting it right. He spoke before he thought. But he didn't lack courage. He was a macho type of guy. In fact, he declared, if you have your Bibles, look at Luke chapter uh, 22, verse 33. We see Peter's prediction. We often talk about the prediction of Jesus, but Peter had a prediction first, or at least a part of this whole process. Peter said to him, that's Jesus, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to both prison and to death. Have you ever made such declarations? Peter did. He made them all the time. And we see that this actually was his downfall. And turn to John chapter 18, starting in verse 15. And here's what Simon Peter telling more about Simon Peter and his interaction with Jesus. John 15, 18, Simon Peter followed Jesus and so did another disciple. This is after the arrest of, of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And it says, since that disciple was known to the high priest, he entered with Jesus into the court of the high priest and Peter stood outside at the door. So the other disciple who was known to the high priest went out and spoke to the servant girl who kept watch at the door and brought Peter in. The servant girl at the door said to Peter, you are also not one of this man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. Now the servants and the officers had made a charcoal fire because it was cold and they were standing and warming themselves. Peter also was with them standing and warming himself. Jump down to verse 25. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself, so they said to him, You also are not one of his disciples, are you? And he denied it and said, I am not. And one of the servants of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear had cut off, Peter had cut off, asked, Did I not see you in the garden with him? And Peter again denied it. And at once, a peaster, uh, at, one, at once, a rooster crowed. See, we can follow Jesus. We can listen to his teaching. We can see all of his miracles. We can have communion with him, as Peter had at the Last Supper. We can run and defend him. But when we lose sight of Jesus, that is when we deny him. So how do we go from being a disciple of Jesus, a follower of Jesus, a student of Jesus, to one who denies Jesus? By losing sight of Jesus. In the midst of our circumstances. I don't know what circumstances you have today. Maybe they're pretty dark. 
Maybe you've lost the light of the world, Jesus Christ, because all you see is your dark circumstances. Be careful. These are dangerous times when one can deny Jesus by our actions, by our words. The truth is, Jesus never lost sight of Peter. Even in the midst of a struggle, of the trial, and and all that Jesus was suffering, Jesus never lost sight of Peter. Look at Luke chapter 22, verses 61 and 62. Luke chapter 22, verses 61 and 62. Again, this is another account of Peter denying Christ. I'll start in verse 60 of Luke chapter 22. And Peter said, man, I do not know what you're talking about. And immediately while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the saying to the Lord, how he had said to him, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Jesus was there. He never stopped seeing Peter, yet Peter lost sight of him. Jesus is in the midst of your circumstances today. Let me say that again. Jesus is in the midst of your circumstances. You might think that because you can't see him, because all you see is the struggle, but Jesus is in the midst of your circumstances. And Jesus doesn't want you you just to live in those circumstances. He wants to help you and for you to regain your eyes being locked on him. Let's turn to our final passage today that we're going to look as we study the life of Peter. This is John chapter 21, verses 15 through 19. John 21, verses 15 through 19. And this will be great encouragement because no matter if you've denied Jesus, Jesus is still calling you to follow him. Here's what it says in John 21, verse 15. And when they had finished breaking, or when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, what does the word Simon mean again? Listening. Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than these fish? Do you love me more than going back to fishing? Peter had gone back to fishing after Jesus had risen from the grave. He saw Jesus and he thought, well, I guess I'll just go back to what I always have done. But notice what Jesus says to Peter. He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to Peter, feed my lambs. In other words, Jesus calls Simon Peter by his first name again. Simon, listen, Peter. Pay attention. Notice the second time, verse 16. Jesus said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. 
friends, just pause there for a moment. Some of us understand that, that Jesus knows everything. Jesus knows everything. And yet, we might be struggling to communicate our love for Christ in the midst of that because of our circumstances. But notice what Jesus says. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. And when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show that kind of, by what kind of death he was to glorify God. Tradition tells us that Peter was arrested. He was in chains. He was brought where he didn't want to go. And then he was crucified. But Peter did not want to just be crucified as Jesus was. Tradition tells us that he was crucified upside down. Peter, this one who would always run and was the very proactive and, and, and moved first, now he's being brought against his will. And yet through all of this, look at it, how it ends, verse 19. And after saying this, Jesus said to Peter, what? Follow me. Follow me. Again, no matter if you've denied Christ, Jesus is calling you to follow him. Jesus does all of this. He publicly restores Peter because Peter had denied Jesus publicly. And Jesus is still showing us that type of grace. Maybe this is why Peter, in his letters, when he's older, he, he starts off his letter in both 1 Peter and 2 Peter, grace and peace be multiplied to you. We find this in verse 2 of the opening of both of the letters. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. Peter had understood the grace of Jesus, and he had embraced it fully. And because of that, he found hope. Someone who had denied Christ. Remember I told you about some pastor's kids who at one time had maybe struggled with their faith? Think of Jessica Simpson. It's very public that she struggled with alcoholism. But in a recent article, she described how she has not lost her faith in Jesus. Another is a guy by the name of Alice Cooper, rock star. Grew up in the church. One day, he was, uh, found himself in front of a mirror. And he was hallucinating as he thought his very famous, his very famous uh, face with, with makeup. Um, that he, he is hallucinating that he was seeing drops of blood coming from his eyes. And the reality is, is he was doing cocaine. And so his wife came to Alice and said, I'm leaving you. I can't, I can't watch you just destroy your life. This really got to Alice Cooper. And he's in Chicago at a hotel room, and he calls his wife and said, I've done it. I put the cocaine down the toilet, and I want to start over. And so his wife said, well, you need to prove it. So he started going back to church. And Alice Cooper describes, he says, you know, in that time in my life, I, 
I was denying Christ, and I was in a, in a heap of trouble. But Jesus welcomed me back, and I've followed him ever since. This is the power of the gospel of grace. So how does one go from being a denier to a disciple-maker for Jesus? By loving Jesus and caring for his people. By loving Jesus and caring for his people. Verse 15, feed my lambs. Verse 16, tend my sheep. Verse 17, feed my sheep. Jesus repeats this three times. Friends, when I have been discouraged, when I have been, when I have been depressed, when I've been going through a difficult time, you know what helps me so much? Is to share the good news of Jesus Christ. To remind myself, as I preach the gospel to myself first and then to others, that Jesus is the hope. He's the hope for all eternity that I need to keep my eyes on him. So back to that initial struggle that we have to remain faithful. How do we remain faithful to Christ? Let me just pray. Father, I just pray that you would silence all parts of the kingdom of darkness right now that have been interrupting this service. And Lord, I pray that you on the anniversary week of people coming to faith in Jesus Christ and you defeating and disarming all rulers and principalities of the kingdom of darkness, that this would be another day where Satan has shown his hand and Jesus Christ wins. And God, I pray that you would, in the name of Jesus Christ, silence this interrupter. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, I want you to remind you right now that you can receive Jesus Christ. That if you have denied Christ, that there's hope for you. There's hope for you. But it requires humility. It requires humility. And Peter understood this. Mark Buchanan had gotten to the place, uh, a Canadian pastor and professor, where he studied the life of Peter. And he said, I think Peter got to the place where he, he finally understood humility. Because without humility... We will not want grace. God, but God gives grace to the humble. Maybe Peter got tired of eating crow one too many times. You never gain weight from eating crow. But it does kill you from being puffed up. It causes in you to embrace grace. The grace of Jesus Christ. I want to conclude by telling you a story of a guy by the name of Edward John Carnell. Edward John Carnell grew up in Wisconsin. He was a fundamentalist. And he, uh, he struggled with all the fundamentalism. Fundamentals are people who believe the core doctrines of the faith. And yet they add all of these rules they forget really good of the fundamentals, but they forget the fun of Christianity. Fundamentals take the fun out of Christianity. 
E.J. Cornell went to Wheaton College, and then he went on to Westminster Seminary and went to finish his doctorate at, at uh, both Boston University and Harvard University. Then he became a professor at Fuller Seminary, and, and as he continued to study, he was overwhelmed with grace. He wrote a book called The Kingdom of Love. He was reminded of this passage about the fact that Jesus, when you sin, calls us back to this, this goal of saying, do you love me? Will you respond to my grace? And E.J. Cornell did that. And because of that, he taught both the fundamentalists and the evangelicals that it's all about God's grace and his love. Today, maybe you feel so overwhelmed with the fact that your sin has been so grievous that you don't feel like you can be restored. It's not true. The grace of Jesus Christ is more powerful. And so today, I encourage you that if you have found yourself to be a disciple, yet you've denied Christ, that you would once again embrace that grace. And that you wouldn't just embrace that grace, but you would go tell that grace to others. Amen? And amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for who takes us and calls us to be disciples. And yet, Lord, at times we have denied Christ by our actions and in our words. Lord, I pray today that that would... We would not stay in that space, but we would move from a denier to truly a disciple maker. That we would feed your people. That we would care for your people. That we would proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here today who would want to receive Christ, they would not leave this place as being in a continual state of denying who you are, Lord. But they would recognize you as the Son of God came to this world as the Lamb of God to save us from our sins. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.